It also becomes important when you're doing specific deals to know the data for that specific property as well and all the information about that property that impacts the value. Best ever listeners, before we jump into today's episode, for all my fix and flippers out there, are your financing costs eating away at your bottom line? And are you looking for a way to increase your overall profits by lowering your loan payments to the bank or maybe your private lender? Well, our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, you know Patch of Land, they've been on the show, representatives of their company have been on the show many times, they've been a sponsor of this show many, many times, they're back for more because they love you and they love working with the best ever listeners and they've got an interesting point of view on interest rates and that is that it's the interest rates that we are quoted shouldn't necessarily be taken at face value because perhaps a higher interest rate could actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan. And they have a white paper on how that is possible and how that can be applied to your fix and flip business to help your bottom line get more profitable and to help you choose the best a lender for your financing needs. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless and they've got a white paper for you and it will walk you through the way to evaluate interest rates in terms in general on your loan so that you truly are getting the best interest rate because there are some tricky things some lenders try to do to um, glaze over the fact that their lower interest rate, quote unquote, is actually higher based on some technical things that they put into it. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless and get that white paper so that you can save money on your fix and flip projects. Patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluff with us today. Darren Bloomquist. How you doing, Darren? I am doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, my pleasure. Nice to have you on the show. And well, best ever listeners, we have a special segment because Darren has a special skill set. And the skill set that he has and his company has is identifying how to use data to track the market and see what we should do at any point in time and also to find some deals. Darren is the Senior Vice President of Communications at Adam Data Solutions, which is a division that publishes original real estate reports sourced from their data warehouse. And their data warehouse is an incredibly comprehensive property database. He is based in Orange County, California, and you can learn more about their company at their website, which is in the show notes link. It's a t t o m data.com. But again, that's in the show notes link. So with that being said, Darren, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. I've been with Adam Data Solutions, which was previously, some of your listeners may recognize the name Realty Track. We were previously known as Realty Track since 2001. I've been here a long time and been here for 16 years, basically, and joined answering phones for customer service, talking to real estate investors. That was my training. And it was a great training in who are using our data to find deals. And that's where I got started. And, and really my background 
my education was in communication. So eventually, as RealtyTrack started growing, was able to start uh, taking on that role of, of taking this data. And part of our mission here at Adam is to increase transparency in the real estate market. And we take the data, and my job is take the data, create reports out of that, that it helps to increase transparency in the real estate market. The one that we were known for for a long time was a foreclosure report because nobody else was tracking data. Most of the data you see out there about the real estate market tends to want to always put a positive spin on real estate in terms of things are always rosy, even if, anyway, I won't get into that too much unless you want to, but we were willing to say, look, we don't just want to talk about the good. We want to talk about the reality in the real estate market and foreclosures wasn't part of that. So it's really a fun job to be able to dig into the data. And of course, that helps me in my own personal real estate investing experience, which I, I do as well. That's been a big help. But I would say a huge piece of my learning curve early on was talking to these real estate investors. And this was back in another housing boom. The market goes through cycles and you can use data in any cycle to help you invest and find good deals. And that's one of the things I've learned over the years. But back then it was a, another boom cycle. There were certain strategies and data that investors were looking at to find those deals. During the down cycle it was different. Now we're in another up cycle. But the common thread there is that there's always deals available and there's always ways to make money in real estate. You need to be aware of what cycle you're in to employ the correct strategy to do that. I'm going to take your word for it that you all have a bunch of data because I'm sure that some listeners are shaking their heads. Yep, they do. We've worked with them. Okay, so you've got a bunch of data. We don't have to get into the nuts and bolts of that. What I want to know is since you have access to all this data, how do you determine what to do with it? It's a massive database. Just to throw out a couple of numbers, we basically have what's called tax deed and mortgage data on 150 million properties nationwide, which is most of the properties in the U.S. How many? 150 million, 150. And that is over 90% of the country in terms of housing units and population. And we have basically all the public record data. If you went down to the county to research a property, all the data that you would pick up, looking at all the mortgages, the deeds, the tax assessor information, of course, the foreclosure information we're tracking as well. And what we decided to do with it, that's a great question. And a lot of it comes from our customers. We listen to what our customers are looking for and what they're interested in. And that helps us inform what we should be looking for in the data. We have clients from real estate investors, individual real estate investors are using our data to find deals to massive Fortune 500 companies who are ingesting our whole database in-house and giving it to their data scientists to analyze for creating algorithms and machine learning and artificial intelligence to help them inform their business. And their business may not always be directly related to real estate. We have government agencies using the data. To be honest, that gives us a lot of information on, okay, what reports do we need to be publishing out into the universe that help increase real estate transparency? And we'll see sometimes just looking through <laughs> the records of data, you see something that sparks your interest. And that a lot of times is what sets off a report. I'm trying to think of an example of that. One report that we did about a year ago, but I just saw there's still media talking about it is the gender gap in housing. We Part of the data we're able to see is whether in the tax assessor data, 
whether a man or a woman is identified as owning the property and looking at trends in that. And that's one of the reports we did. One of our most popular reports now is home flipping. And that arose out of a lot of our customers were flipping homes and they wanted insight into the trends, not just their local market or their local experience in flipping homes, but what was the higher level trends? And that's become a very popular report for us as well. What are some of the components of that report? The house flipping one. Home flipping report, we look at just trends in number of homes being flipped, the home flipping rate as a share of all sales, how saturated that market is with home flippers, the number of actual flippers. If you're looking at your competition, the gross yield, we don't know how much flippers are spending on rehab, but we know what they bought it for and what they sold it for. And so that kind of gross yield they're getting out of the home and what markets have the highest opportunity for gross yields. And then actually an increasingly important component for certain of our clients is in the financing, how flippers are getting their financing if they're paying with cash when they buy these homes. But we are seeing an increasing trend in flippers utilizing financing to buy their homes that they're flipping. Hmm. And then when you look at, say, the number of actual flippers, do you compare that to previous reports and then have a trend for increase, decrease, or staying the same? Absolutely. And that's part of the story of what tells looking at data to help understand what part of the housing market cycle you're in. And flipping is one component of that. And yes, we compare it to previous years. We're in a place where home flipping in 2016 was at a 10-year high, but it was still dwarfed by the number of home flips we saw back in 2004, 5, and 6. There's still a lot more. So we are in an up cycle, but we're not in the frenzied cycle that I call it the crazy Wild West frenzy that we were seeing back in 2004, 2005, 2006. And we're seeing great profits in home flipping because the market is going up. It's a great time to flip. When the market was going down, we saw flippers pull back. They didn't want to be catching a falling knife in terms of trying to project what that home would sell for in six months when home prices were going down. That's something important to understand. It can be done, but it's a lot tougher. So yeah, we definitely look at that. And in a down cycle, the upside for investors is there's a lot of deals available. There's a lot of distressed inventory a lot of times available to purchase, but home flipping becomes a tougher strategy for sure in that down market. Buy and hold may be a better way to go. As buy and hold investors not fix and flippers, but let's just say we're a buy and hold investor. If my market where I am investing is on your list and your report as one of the markets that have a high gross yield, what are the implications for me as a buy and hold investor? I think the implications there are that that market is going up quickly and there's a lot of demand for homes that have been rehabbed and in good condition. So what that means for you is, well, it may be a good time to sell. If you've been holding that property for a long time, it may be a good time to liquidate. That market is becoming more frothy, I guess, for lack of a mm -hmm. better word. But in general, I would say it's a positive sign that that market is in high demand. And for you as a buy and hold investor, that could be a good sign that you're in a good location for that. And the other piece there, I think, is that as a buy and hold investor, if you see high gross flipping profit, a lot of times, especially when you get down to the neighborhood level, that neighborhood is gentrifying and it's improving. The nature of that market, that neighborhood is changing. 
in a positive way, probably, at least from your, your perspective and the value of that home. So you're going to get that icing on the cake of faster appreciation for that home in addition to the cash flow that you're getting from the rentals. Do you all look at total dollars on gross yield and then also percent? Because total dollars, I imagine, would be different than percent of profit or difference there since California probably in Northeast, larger dollars, but you might not be making as much of a percent profit. Yeah, that's correct. We do both of those. We look at the dollar amount and yeah, there's a lot of markets in California and the Northeast, you pinpointed it exactly, and maybe some places like Seattle, that we see $100,000 gross profits, and that's just average or more on a flip. But then you look at the percentages, and the percentages are higher in the, I guess, more what I call the more blue-collar, rust-belt-type markets, like Pittsburgh is near the top, often in terms of percentage return, places like Cleveland. And spots like that float to the top when we look at that metric. Are there certain markets that you have seen on that report on a consistent basis over the last handful of years? Yes. You mean that are... Yeah, the gross yield. The gross yield piece. Early on, we started doing that and publishing that in 2012. And early on, it would have been the low-hanging fruit markets that were destined to come back quickly from the downturn because 2012 was really the absolute bottom in terms of home prices. So places like Phoenix, Atlanta, parts of Florida would have been high on the list at that point. We have seen that shift. There's still Southeast markets, places like Memphis in there, but it's shifted, I would say, north to the Rust Belt where you see the Pittsburghs and the Clevelands and the Cincinnati's, I think where you are that are floating more to the top of that list as places like Phoenix and Atlanta and many parts of Florida have become quite expensive. And the low hanging fruit has already been picked there during this particular cycle. And so that's one thing as a real estate investor looking at data, you need to be aware that different things are happening in different markets at the same time. And so not everything hits at the same time. And there was great opportunity for finding deals in some markets a few years ago, that's not there. And now that it's shifted to other markets for both flipping and I would even say the buy and hold has shifted as well in a similar direction. So let's take a step back and let's pretend and there's going to be a gasp on your end, but that we don't use your services. You can do the gasp. Oh, no, <laughs> that we don't use your services, but we're just looking to identify the best markets to invest in the long run for the next couple decades as buy and hold investors? Where should we go to gather data and what should we look for? There's a couple levels of this. Many investors, I think they know their local market, so they're going to stick to that. But even within their local market, real estate is local. That's the maxim, right? And I think that's true. And so even within, say, a Cincinnati, you're going to start looking at the data at the neighborhood zip code level at the very least, if not further down. And it's not always about looking at markets that are 100 or 1,000 or 5,000 miles away. It's sometimes looking at markets within a very small area. And local investors who stick to the same area do have the advantage of they may not need to use our data, to be honest. They may know that market so well themselves that they have it dialed in and they know once they start seeing certain signs 
And I think some of the key signs, the first domino is the number of sales that are happening. If you start to see the number of sales consistently trend downward, that could be a sign of weakening demand. And that a lot of times is the first sign. And, and following that, a few months later, you would see home prices start to weaken. And tied in with that, and this is where personal data from your own, I would encourage investors to keep their own data because that can be very valuable. The time it takes for them to flip a property, say if they're flipping, if that time, particularly the time that the property is on the market is starting to get longer, that's a sign that the market may be weakening. And then you could look at just at the market level, days on market is a sign that demand is weakening or strengthening. If it, all of these numbers are going the opposite way, then that could be strengthening in the market. A lagging indicator that we look at is foreclosures. A lot of times if you see a huge foreclosure start to spike, it kind of may be too late. That market has already experienced a downturn for some reason. One of the best pieces of advice I've heard recently on real estate is real estate is relatively slow moving. So there's time. If you see some of these indicators, even foreclosures that tend to be a lagging indicator, there's usually time unless you are a massive investor who has hundreds of deals going at, at a given point. You have time to react to the market once you start seeing that data. It's, it's just paying attention and it's trusting the data too, I think, as opposed to thinking that everything is going to keep going the way it has been going and believing I'm making money doing this. So I'm going to keep making that money doing it this way and trusting that the data can point you in the right direction. So those would be a few key things, the number of sales, which it's the basics. It's the days on market and that the prices and foreclosure activity starts to come in as a real sign. If that's going up, that that market could be weakening. How do you gather that? Well, a lot of that data is pretty accessible and, and free. It's out there through web portals that are providing trend data, including ours. We provide a lot of that basic information for free. And places like Zillow and others will have a number of sales, number of prices. Now, foreclosures, you can get foreclosures for free on our site. The foreclosure trends, not the specific foreclosures, we run realtytrack.com forward slash trends. You can dig down to the zip code level, and there's other places you could probably get that as well to keep your eye on the trends. Now, some of the data, when you start seeing... If you really want to get granular and look at specific deals that are happening within a market, mm -hmm. which may be important at a highly localized level to see how people are doing, not just how you're doing, but how other flippers or other real estate investors are doing, that is public record data that you can license from us or from other folks and be looking at specific deals to really dig into the nitty gritty of a given market. Anything else that we haven't talked about as it relates to using data to identify what we should do in a market that you want to discuss? There's so many things, but I think we've covered the basics of it. It's not rocket science to track the data, but I think a lot of investors do put the blinders on. And it's just keeping the head up and, and taking some time to keep an eye on that. And it also becomes important when you're doing specific deals to know the data for that specific property as well and all the information about that property 
that impacts the value. That's a huge piece too. It's not so much at the trend level, but the specific deal level, gathering all the data on that property so you really can, at the end of the day, assess its true value. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you or learn more about your company? They can go to adamdata.com, and that's A-T-T-O-M, data.com. There's a lot of information our data and our products and services. Also, we run realtytrack.com as a great source, as I mentioned earlier, for finding trend data and looking at finding specific properties. And the best way to reach me, I would say, by email is to send an email to marketing at adamdata.com. And that goes to me as well as other people. So my assistant who can help uh, make sure you get in contact with me. Sweet. Well, this has been an informative conversation and one that can help us, as you said, get ahead of, well, you didn't say this, get ahead of the trends. But what you did say is real estate is a relatively slow moving industry. And it's true. If we're aware of our surroundings and we know what to look for, then we can make moves prior to whatever is coming up. And some of the things that you mentioned, the different ways to look at a market to identify if there is a growth or regression happening, looking at the sales trends, looking at how long the days on the market are, and then also with the approach for just making sense of it all, having the approach of, okay, we've got these different reports that we can look at, but what do these numbers actually mean and what are the implications? So how do we take that information and then have actionable action from that? So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day, Darren, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Joe. Today's sponsor, Patch of Land, has got the document for you that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper. They show you how a higher interest rate can actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan. And conversely, how a lower interest rate could deliver a higher cost to your fix and flip loan. Needless to say, you got to know this stuff to identify the best loan terms. Go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Get this document, patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Tired of the noise in the real estate investing space, but still want to light your business on fire? Real Estate Deal Talk is an original source of radio shows, podcasts, case studies, and articles devoted to real estate investing. For investors, by investors. Discover more at realestatedealtalk.com. That's realestatedealtalk.com.